Welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And our special guest uh, for today's podcast is Professor Michael Chan. He's our colleague and friend here at Luther Seminary. He teaches Old Testament like I do. And uh, we're just delighted that uh, he's here. He has uh, his own podcast, Gospel Beautiful. So go mm-hmm. check that out. Where and he it's a good one. Some, yep, it's a great one. It's a, uh, yes, very informative. And he interviews a lot of interesting people. So thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to be here. We're going to have a good time, I'm sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So today we're we're, uh, addressing a listener question. This came in through the website, enterthebible.org, where uh, if you have a question, you can certainly post it there and uh, and we'll do our best to get to as many as we can. So the the question, the listener question that we're addressing today with, uh, with Michael is, what about the others besides Jesus who were resurrected, i.e. Lazarus? And uh, I assume the widow's son, uh, the widow of Nain, the, uh, her son, who was re- who was resurrected or revived by Jesus. And of course, there's some examples in the Old Testament as well. So what do we, uh, my assumption about this question is what happened to them and what's the difference between those folks and the resurrection, right? The, the resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus, which yeah. uh, as we're approaching Easter is, is an important one to consider. Yeah, I wonder if it could be helpful, Catherine, just to maybe say some, make some really broad comments about resurrection in general, because I think for a lot of Christians, it's kind of assumed that this is just part of what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. And, and it's probably worth noting that the, the notion of resurrection, that the individuals at, at some point in the future would be resurrected, and then after that would come sort of the great sorting right, from the, between the sheep and the goats or the righteous and the unrighteous is a, is a relatively new, seems to be a relatively recent idea within the Hebrew Bible. The kind of clearest reference to this is in a section of Daniel uh, chapters 10 through 12, and specifically 12. And those chapters are written uh, in the second century BCE. But, you know, our colleague, your supervisor, your doctor father, John Levinson, has really helpfully shown that, that yes, this is probably true, that this idea of individuals being resurrected, you know, and then uh, on to judgment, uh, this is probably a late idea, but the impulse is the notion of a God who is faithful beyond the death. A notion of a God who rescues from death is really deeply seated within within ancient Israelite religion. And so it's not as easy as just saying resurrection started in the second century in the Christians assume and on forward. It seems to be a pretty deep part of how uh, ancient Israel imagined its God to be. Yeah, thanks for that, Michael. And, and it's important to note, I think, that uh, relatively recent is 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 relative right? because <laughs> we're talking second, second century bce so you know just yesterday 2200 years ago but but yeah late in the late in the old testament uh time period certainly by the new testament you have this much more kind of solid idea of bodily resurrection of course there's still debate about it in the new testament as we see from some gospel accounts where the the sadducees and the pharisees disagree about this and at this, uh, in in this, on this issue, Jesus is really much closer to the Pharisees, right? Yeah. Because the Pharisees do believe 
in bodily resurrection and the Sadducees don't. Uh, can we, yeah, can we ahead. take a step Thank back you. and just, when we say bodily resurrection, like what, what exactly do we mean by that? <laughs> I'm just not sure if the word exactly. <laughs> That's a great point. That's yeah, a great yeah. point because it is a mystery, but, but yeah. what is the, what is the expectation? What is the hope that, you know, that was being kind of in debated or considered? Um, Maybe it would help to talk about what it isn't first. Okay. Like it's, it's not kind of, um, the soul living on the soul leaving the body and living on eternally or and it's not kind of the spring renewing you know spring coming back every year kind of in a natural mm. cycle of life from death it it really is about bodies it's about flesh and blood and and it's hard to say exactly of course but if you want to look at a, a discussion of it um first corinthians 15 mm -hmm. is paul's really you know, long treatise and beautiful treatise on the resurrection where he compares it to something like a seed mm -hmm. that is in the ground and then is transformed into a living plant. So he talks about bodies being resurrected, but not, not in quite the same, you know, not quite the same body, a transformed body. So, so there's, but there's an expectation that like, like you said, like, we're not like ethereal, you know, spirits floating on the clouds. Right. Although I heard there would be harps and <laughs> there are a lot, there is a lot of music in revelation. So, Hey, <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed if there's no harps actually, and no offense to harpists. It's not my favorite instrument, but like, um, Shots but it's not... fired. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. I have dear friends who are harpists. I don't mean it personally. And you are very talented. My dear friends who play the harp. Um, so, but, but it isn't like an ethereal, like we're in the clouds and we're like, you know, spirits that live on or whatever. Um, and it's, but it is like a particular, like physical, like tangible, right? Like yeah. the, the idea is that the resurrected bodies will be tangible and will dwell on a renewed earth, right? Like a new yeah. heaven, a new earth. Yeah. Like if that seems important to say. Yeah. I like to say in my classes on this that uh, matter matters, right? That, yeah. that bodies matter, earth matters, soil matters, you know, animals matter, that God cares about matter, meaning physical solid things. And so the, you know, the, the uh, creation tells us that, the incarnation yeah. tells us that yeah. God becomes flesh yeah. and the, the, the doctrine of the resurrection of bodily resurrection tells us mm -hmm. that, that God, the bodies are not just kind of vessels for the true, you know, the true spirit or soul. Right. That bodies are part of who we are. So anyway, but Michael, please jump in. No, I the, I, the only thing I'd add to those great comments, Catherine, especially from 1 Corinthians 15, is that Paul seems, Paul, I think, struggles with his language, his, his ideas. The words aren't quite capable of bearing the weight of the ideas that he's sharing. And I think really what he's trying to say is that there are some bodies suitable to certain environments, like our physical yeah, body is suitable right. to this environment, but we will need a new body in order to be suitable to this more glorious environment that uh, that yeah. he seems to be describing. And so I think that's the only thing I would add to what Catherine said, but the matter matters thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and so, 
And oh, there's ahead. a continuity, right? That, yes. that we mm -hmm. don't become just kind of one with the universe, right? But but who who you are with all your history and all your loves and uh, and disappointments and sorrows continue somehow that continuity into the next life. So you are who you are. Uh, what what you do now matters. What happens to you now matters. It continues into the next life. Yeah. And would you say that is the notion of resurrection that begins to emerge in the Old Testament, like in Daniel and elsewhere? I think the stuff in Daniel, the context is really important there. So we, had, Catherine, I had mentioned the second century. Um, this was a time of tremendous turmoil, especially for Jews. And the this this clear statement of resurrection in Daniel 12 really emerges in a context of religious persecution under the reign of a, a of a guy named Antiochus IV Epiphanes, a ruler, and he really set out to to persecute on religious grounds Jews in and around Jerusalem. So, sort of preventing kosher laws, circumcision, sort of the markers of, of Judaism, and resurrection seems to have emerged as a kind of uh, a theological weapon, a sort of means of resisting that kind of tyranny. You see this really clearly kind of narrated in, in Maccabees 4, in four, 4 Maccabees, where you have this, this kind of story of a mother and her sons who are standing before the king and are about to be executed, and he attempts to get them to revoke their faith. But they, um, but they instead appeal to resurrection mm -hmm. and as, as a way of pushing back against his attempts to get them to uh, back off on their faith. So I think I think it actually emerges as a way of pushing back on persecutors, at least in part. <clears throat> and we would say, I mean, I think as Christians, we would say that the first to be resurrected in the sense that we've been talking about it is Jesus, right? Jesus is yeah. the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the one who ushered in the reality of the resurrection and the hope that we have. Right. So what about those other stories to, you know, kind of circle back to the listener question? What about those other stories of people who are raised from the dead before Jesus? Yeah, I would, I would talk about those as a kind of resuscitation, maybe rather than strictly resurrection, because Lazarus dies again. You know, we don't have the story of that, but we know that he dies again as does the, you know, the, the widow's son, uh, well, the widow's son in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, there's two widow's sons that are resurrected. Um, so, so it's not resurrection in the sense of a transformed body that lives on, you know, into eternity. Uh, it's, it's more of a resuscitation of a dead body that then will die again. But, but both in all of those instances, I think it's a kind of foretaste of the feast to come right to use that liturgical phrase that it's a an earnest a promise of what will be uh in the in the joy of the of the resurrection when uh when life when the god of life finally and forever defeats death right that that this idea of resurrection as i think michael already said is is important because it holds to the faithfulness of God, right? That, that God is faithful until death and even beyond death. Uh, Jesus, says to, Jesus says to the Sadducees, um, you know, God is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is God of the living, not of the dead, right? That somehow Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still 
uh, or, or will be revived or are living in the presence of God already, as will we be. Yeah, that's a good point, Catherine. I didn't think about that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think all of that's right. There has to be some distinction, I think, between resurrection and resuscitation. I have always, I don't have a good reason for this, but I've always not, used, I've not used the word resuscitation because I've done so much CPR training that it makes me think about <laughs> cardiopulmonary <laughs> resuscitation. So I have, I have, and there's no good reason for this, right? I've always used the word revivification. Because I like the vitality, the viva part in, in it, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a great word to use. I like that. Revivification. Revivification. It's a little hard to say. It's kind of hard to say three times fast, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so so Jesus was the first to be resurrected in the sense of a, a new body that is immortal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and these other stories of revivific revivification. <laughs> These other stories maybe point to that eventual reality or um, affirm God's power over life and death, but are like, like substantively different. There's yeah. a there's an important distinction between those stories of revivification and um, and um, and resurrection. So. Another question that kind of goes along with this, and this was something that we also received, um, was what do we do about cremation? Like, does the body need to be intact in order to be resurrected? And those whose bodies have disintegrated, are they just out of luck? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to, before we, I want to get to that in kind of a sideways sort of way. Sure. Um, it's, Paul is the one who helpfully connects Jesus' resurrection with baptism. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important move because it that, that's where we see that oh wait Jesus resurrection to eternal life is not just like a, a a flashy thing that gets to happen to him but it's how we 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 become bound to his fate as disciples to his fate on the cross and also you know is those who will be renewed to his fate in resurrection and that's where i i think we can maybe connect to cremation that it's uh i, I don't think there's any problem with cremation in the bible as far as i can tell doesn't speak you know, against it in any kind of way. It, uh, the resurrection is about the power of God to raise us from the dead. And, and let's be clear that, that those kinds of words were spoken to people whose bodies had been burned in war, people whose bodies had been destroyed and mutilated in a whole variety of ways. And the Bible seems to show no concern about God's inability to work with, uh, with you know, disintegrated bodies. And so I, I don't think that cremation is really a problem for the biblical text. Do you, Catherine? Do you? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think, you know, uh, frankly, if God is going to resurrect bodies uh, from the dead, I think that's the miracle. Like uh, whether someone's <laughs> missing an arm or a leg or is whose body has uh, returned to earth or whose body is ashes scattered over the ocean. Somehow I don't think that's going to stop God's power. You know, the power is in resurrection. It's not, it's, you know, if God can do that, God can work with however the bodies now are. So yeah, I would agree. I don't think cremation is is an issue. I don't think uh, that Christians should be concerned one way or the other about what, you know, I, I don't, it, it, cremation is not gonna stop God's resurrection power. 
Yeah, that's how I would put it. I did read, I read, uh, I always talk about N.T. Wright on this podcast, but I did read a book from N.T. Wright, Surprised by Hope, in which he says precisely that, where he's like, no, it's not going to, like, God can do what God can do. However, the symbol of, like, being buried whole with the expectation that one would be raised whole is a very beautiful and, like, hopeful yeah. symbol yeah. and expresses sort of that faith in the future eventuality so in his book he kind of um encouraged christians to think about that but no, he I, never argues that like god can't resurrect a cremated yeah, body yeah. yeah i i would agree with that i do like the symbolism of the the whole body buried in in the earth and yeah yeah i think that that's a it's obviously a more traditional christian way of burial than cremation so i think for that reason, it, it may be preferable if you're trying, you know, trying to, to decide, decide between one or the other. But. This wouldn't you say, Catherine, though, is from the kind of the pastor's perspective, this really is a matter of freedom. It is. Uh, yeah. it, this is a kind of adiaphora sort of thing where we say, you yeah. know what, like, this is not central to the gospel. This is where human free will or desire can, can come into play without any problems. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And for our listeners, adiaphora means basically things that aren't central to the gospel like that christians can disagree about and it's not not um yeah yeah not not uh necessary for salvation to believe one way or the, one mm. way or the other but yeah let's uh, uh i just want to say um moving back away from the uh question of cremation to to that idea of resurrection that this really is the central or at least one of the central doctrines of the christian faith and i i want to I, I opened to first corinthians 15 where paul says uh he's speaking against people who uh who have proclaimed that christ is not raised from the dead he says how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead if there is no resurrection of the dead then christ has not been raised and if christ has not been raised then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain and then he goes on to say, uh, then those who also then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Right? This mm -hmm. is kind of the the starkest the starkest uh, uh, statement, right? If if the resurrection isn't true, then we mm -hmm. are of all people most to be pitied. But then he goes on with this strong statement. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. He goes on, and of course that uh, uh, chapter ends um, with where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, where, O oh, death, is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's this is this really is a central claim uh, of Christians, and I and and it's one that we hear every Easter and we should hear every Sunday that, in fact, Christ has been raised for the from the dead, and that is the basis of our hope, right? Not just for the next life, but also for this life, as we say goodbye to those we love, uh, or as we experience, you know, kind of little deaths uh, or little griefs in this life that. That hope of resurrection, that promise of resurrection, is just so powerful uh, that it is the foundation of our hope. It's not just a symbol, right? right? I think sometimes in our 
I think I think that people who um, are relatively wealthy <laughs> in Western cultures, right, like try to sort of get a, get around this sometimes, even Christians, right? Like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a beautiful story that points to like the hope of renewal, blah, 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 blah. But like, no, I mean, blah, 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 blah. But, but no, like the, the, the actually the, what we're saying as Christians, right. Is that Jesus was raised from the dead and he was like actually raised from the dead. Um, And I don't think that sort of a, I think that in the face of true suffering, true oppression, true pain and fear i think you can see that in the history of the church in the christian martyrs in the black church you know in in expressions of church that uh are more um that are that are vital around the margins right that you you see less of this like it's a symbol thing and you see more of this like no this is a real actual hope because it's it's that rootedness and that real actual hope that provides the energy to per you know to continue or to face death or whatever um in in the face of very serious trials and persecutions and and oppression all of which you know are born by the human body and i think that's the other reason why the sort of the body part is important is because his body is you know crushed beneath the the weight of the roman empire it he's persecuted he bears the marks on his body of poverty and persecution and violence I think it is important that God says yes to that specific human body. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. So praise be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus yeah. Christ. As yeah. I love how Paul ends that. Like <laughs> the, that. just the very next verse, right? It that sounds like the end, but then he says, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's the very end of 1 Corinthians 15. So the resurrection gives us hope, again, not just for the next life, but for this one, right? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because we too shall be raised from the dead. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Mm -hmm. Lord. Because the resurrection is real, you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain, right? Mm -hmm. So hope not just for the next life, but for this one as well. Yeah, this is such a, an important chapter, I think, for Christians to know. And I think it's important to note that for Paul, death is not an event. It is a capital D force within this world. It's, yeah. I don't want to say it's like a character, but it's a, it is somehow a force or an active uh, whatever that, that is at work within this world and that, that Christ's resurrection resists it. We continually encounter it. It's not just something we experience, you know, at the end of our lives, whenever that comes. But it is, you know, kind of as Luther would say, the holy untrinity of sin, death, and the devil. This is the weight of what it means to live in this world of uh, this fractured world. So, capital the D. Holy death. untrinity is that what? It or is? the whole? That's just what I. Yeah, the, uh, the no, unholy I trinity. <laughs> the <laughs> the unholy trinity. I haven't heard that. That's good. That's good. I don't think Luther said that. That's just my shorthand for me. <laughs> Oh, well, this, friends, this has been a very rich discussion. Thank you so much. And um, as we're in the Easter season, uh, by the time you all hear this, you know, um, keep that, you know, keep that at the forefront of your mind. And, um, you know, our hope and prayer for you is that you're able to live in the hope of Christ's resurrection. 
uh, today and always. Uh, this has been another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, um, and you can get more resources, reflections, podcasts, videos, courses, all kinds of good stuff at enterthebible.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and share with a friend. Until next time, we'll see you later.